Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome to Andy Staples on three and the flip is complete. You started hearing about it a week ago. It happened on Monday. Dylan Riola, five-star quarterback flips from Georgia to Nebraska with a poem. Definitely the first recruit to ever commit with a poem, I think. We've seen many live animals. We've seen a lot of things. I don't think we've ever seen a poem before. We're going to get to the poem in a second. But there's other quarterback news brewing. Dante Moore, a five-star quarterback from the class of 2023, who flipped on signing day from Oregon to UCLA. Well, he's leaving UCLA, and he's going to Oregon. How about that? Dante Moore, who played at UCLA some this year, and in fact, that was probably the reason that he flipped to get that early playing time because obviously Bo Nix was not going anywhere. Bo Nix was the established starter at Oregon. Dante Moore decided, I want to go play right now. He did get to play at UCLA and found out it's not so easy. Like there's probably some seasoning that he could use. And so that's why it was interesting when he went in the portal, the two schools that you heard the most, were Michigan and Oregon. Now, in both cases, there's probably an established person there in 2024 who's older. Now, for Oregon, that would be Dylan Gabriel, who was Oklahoma's starting quarterback last year. And remember, he entered the portal because Oklahoma essentially had to decide, if Dylan Gabriel's not going to the NFL, do we keep Dylan 
or do we keep Jackson Arnold, the five-star freshman from last year? So that is how the quarterback dominoes fall. But for Dante Moore, it was either Oregon or Michigan, and we don't have a decision yet from J.J. McCarthy at Michigan, but we think that J.J. McCarthy is coming back for 2024. And so Dante Moore, I think, kind of wisely looked at this and said, I can learn behind a veteran quarterback who's really good in a good situation at a good program, whether that was going to be Michigan or Oregon. And Oregon was the place he initially wanted to go as a recruit the first time around before he changed his mind on signing day. So we'll see. He's headed to Dan Landing in the Ducks. And this this is not a move to start in 2024. Because that's what Dylan Gabriel's there for. This is a move to start in 2025 and beyond. And you know, I, I do think the way they were looking at it was a, was a very mature way to handle that. Because a lot of the quarterbacks don't want that. They want to play right now. They want to you know, say, I, I'm, I'm ready. I can do whatever I need to do right here, right now. And I get to the NFL quicker. But the point is to get to the NFL better not necessarily quicker. I think Bo Nix is probably a prime example of that. Bo Nix is a guy who got thrust into a starting role probably earlier than he should have at Auburn and spent the next few years just kind of dealing with all of that. And it took the transfer to Oregon, kind of a reset, and then two years at Oregon. And now Bo Nix looks more prepared for the NFL. Like if if you'd have said, Bo Nix is leaving Auburn after year three and going to the NFL, I'd have said, okay, he's not going to play. You know, it's not going to work. So now I look at it and say, yeah, I could see Bo Nix being a quarterback in the NFL, being on a roster for a long time. And that's that's the goal. That's the goal. So Dante Moore making the smart move here, whether it was going to be Oregon or Michigan, was going to be a smart move either way. But a different perspective from from a quarterback in the portal. Usually when a quarterback goes in the portal, it is for playing time. It is to go and start somewhere right now. But that's not the case right here. Dante Moore headed to Oregon. The Ducks, again, getting it done through the portal. This is something Dan Lanning did last year, upgraded the team quite a bit. This year, he's going to have to keep doing it because the competition gets even tougher as they get into the Big Ten. And obviously, they need to show that they can beat Washington. They lost to them twice this year. And now... Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, new conference foes. So Oregon getting a little bit deeper and having a plan for the future. That's that's one thing that is a luxury in this day and age. If you have a pretty good idea who a quarterback's going to be in 2025, you are way, way ahead of the game. I think Nebraska knows who its quarterback is going to be in 2025, and it also could be their quarterback in 2024. That is Dylan Riola. He commits to Nebraska, flips from Georgia on the same day that Georgia's starting quarterback Carson Beck announces that he is returning for the 2024 season. Carson Beck had a legitimate shot of going to the NFL this year. It was a real decision. I I saw on Twitter when he posted that he was coming back, a lot of people, what was the decision to make? No, no, no. There was a legitimate shot. Carson Beck could have been a day two draft pick, maybe even... Slipped in the first round, depending on how much people liked him in the pre-draft process, because he has what NFL teams want in terms of measurables. He has the arm they want. 
he's up against some pretty stiff competition if he decided to go this year because obviously Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels still out there. But uh, Matt Miller, who does a lot of great pre-draft stuff, works at ESPN, he said it as soon as Beck announced. He said, this is Carson Beck trying to be QB1 in the 2025 draft. So that happens there is done. He's in Athens. That job's not open. Now, the Riola flip we thought was coming for a week. I don't know how much Beck coming back had to do with that, but it does make it easier for Riola to go to Nebraska and say, hey, look, I want to try to start right now because they do have Chubba Purdy, Heinrich Harburg, who started games this season. Jeff Sims is back in the portal. But Dylan Riola is probably going to get a chance to start. We're, ta- we're going to talk to Sean Callahan from Husker Online later in the show about this commitment, about where it is historically for Nebraska, what it means for Matt Rule's tenure as the head coach there, how important it was to land Dylan, Dylan Riola. Remember, Dylan's father, an all-time great Nebraska player. His uncle is Nebraska's offensive line coach. But So this is, this is more than just he's a really good recruit. There is definitely a connection and a legacy, and I think that's what makes this so big for Nebraska fans. Now, Dylan Riola, as I said earlier, I believe the first recruit to ever commit with a poem. He posted it on Twitter, picture of him in a Nebraska uniform, right next to this poem. I'm going to read this poem to you. It's incredible. In the realm of dreams. I messed it up already. We're going to start over. I can't, I can't mess it up already. In the realm of college dreams, where purpose takes flight, enter Dylan Riola, crafting his narrative in the night. Once lured by Georgia, where powerhouse glory gleamed, yet Nebraska's purpose in his heart brightly beamed. In the scarlet and cream where legacies entwine, Dylan, like Rogers, Rogier, and Crouch, a hero in the line. No longer a cog in some powerhouse machine, but a quarterback with an even grander ambition unseen. So fellow fans await with hope in the air for Dylan to choose his purpose to declare. In a weakened decision, destiny calls to fulfill his purpose where a new dynasty enthralls. Pretty dramatic. That is very dramatic. Also, a lot of, I'm not going to be a cog in George's machine. I'm going to start a new dynasty at Nebraska, which by all means, shoot your shot, kid. Like, if you think that's going to happen, that's great. If if you're going to make... A grand pronouncement. Make a grand pronouncement because that, that's how you do it. And it, now, not wrong there. There's a time, basically like when I was leaving high school, that Nebraska was where Georgia is now. They were the machine. But they're not anymore. We're talking about a, a program that hadn't been to a bowl game in, uh, since 2016. But... The Cornhuskers want back there. They want to be where George is now. And so, Dylan Riola will try to be that guy. And listen, if he can pull that off, and I'm not talking, I don't even talk about national title. 
I'm talking about getting Nebraska back into where it's a regular bowl team where perhaps by the end they're in, in the hunt for a college football playoff berth in the 12-team playoff. They're competitive in the Big Ten. That's enough right there to cement your legacy, to make you a legend at that school. They're dying for that. These are some of the most passionate fans in America. They love their school. They want to see Nebraska compete again. And I, and I think Dylan Raiola understands that. He's been versed in that his whole life. I mean, he, he has family members who can explain that to him very clearly. And I think that's awfully bold again. But, hey, isn't that the point? Isn't this supposed to be a bold move by Dylan Raiola? Because if you go to Georgia, yes, you can expect that you're going to play on some really good teams. Are you going to walk into the starting job at a place like that? No. It's probably easier to walk in the starting job at Nebraska. But if you can be that guy who leads Nebraska back to being a annually competitive program, that's all it takes. That makes you a legend. So good luck to Dylan Riola and good luck to, to all the folks at Nebraska. I, I know you're really excited about this and I don't blame you. A lot of news though. A lot more quarterback news. A lot more transfer portal news. We mentioned Dante Moore. He's committed to Oregon now. The UCLA transfer. Carson Beck back at Georgia. Former Indiana offensive lineman Matthew Bedford. Speaking of Oregon. So Matthew Bedford was one of the Offensive lineman that Coach Prime at Colorado landed out of the portal, got commitments from early in the transfer portal process. Well, Matthew Bedford tweeted out an apology, said, hey, I, I acted hastily. I'm going to Oregon. So he's probably blocking for Dylan Gabriel this year. So the Ducks getting another one. Uh, former Georgia edge rusher Marvin Jones Jr. commits to Florida State. That name Obviously familiar to everybody at Florida State, Marvin Jones Sr., his dad won the Butkus and Lombardi Awards playing linebacker for the Seminoles. And this is an interesting one because Marvin Jones Jr. was playing at Georgia. It wasn't like a that, that he wasn't getting any playing time at all. He played as a backup and as a freshman, as a sophomore. He played a, a fairly significant role. But this feels a little bit like one where... Remember Jermaine Johnson Jr.? He left Georgia because he wanted to show he could be an every-down player. He he was a, he would have been on that 2021 Georgia defensive line that was just all aliens everywhere. Bunch of first-rounders. And he would have had a key role in that group, but went to Florida State to show that he could play every down, becomes the ACC Defensive Player of the Year, becomes a first-round draft pick. This feels a little like that. So another big one. And, and for Florida State, they've they had Jermaine Johnson. Then they got Jared Verse out of the portal from Albany. Verse ended up staying a second year. So maybe this is the next great edge they get out of the portal. And obviously, it does run in the family playing defense at Florida State. Moonbot7 with a really interesting uh, comment in the chat. Ryola could have my Huskers 7-0 going to Ohio State next year. The other thing about this that, that I think is interesting, you mentioned Ohio State. Remember, Ryola was originally committed to Ohio State and then flipped to Georgia. Had everything happened the same way at Ohio State, 
Raiola could have potentially been walking into a quarterback competition in Columbus in spring practice. And, but obviously nobody could have guessed that Kyle McCord would have started all year and then gone into the portal right after the season. But that one is very interesting if we look at it in hindsight. Now, I think he's got a really good chance of winding up starting quarterback at Nebraska in 2024. And, you know, again, it's it's interesting that we talk about him and Dante Moore at the same time because Dante Moore is a guy who was in that position last year, went for the early playing time, and now he's actually looking to get a little more seasoning before he gets back on the field. So to each their own, very interesting. Another interesting number that came out of, of Monday with Dylan Riola flipping to Nebraska. There are now 18 schools that have five-star recruits in the, in the on-three industry rankings. So there's only 32 five-stars. It's essentially designed to mimic the NFL first round. So there's 32 five-stars a year, 18 different schools for the 32 five-stars right now. That may not end up that way after Wednesday, but that's where it is right now. There were 15 schools that got five stars last year, 14 in 2022. So every year since NIL has been a thing, every full recruiting cycle since NIL has existed, the number of school signing five stars has risen. And it's a small sample size, but this is, again, what the economists told us would happen if NIL or if any sort of pay system came into, into effect was that talent would spread out because the schools that had less talent would be willing to spend more than the schools that typically had more talent. So I think we're seeing that play out. I'll be curious to see what the actual final number is at the end of this recruiting cycle, but it's 18 right now. So we'll see if that, if that lands on 18 or if maybe, maybe it gets spread out even more. Who knows? There are, uh, a little over 24 hours left. Uh, as we said, I'm bad at math, but we have basically 35, 34 and change hours until freshmen can start signing national letters of intent, 7 a.m., whatever your time zone is. I don't know that there are any on Atlantic time. There may be some overseas that may sign early, but 7 a.m. Eastern time basically is when it when it starts on Wednesday. So we will find out more about that, but very interesting recruiting development, portal development, and we got to go a little deeper into this Dylan Rayola flip. What does it mean for Nebraska? We bring in an expert, Sean Callahan from Husker Online, explains how big a deal this is. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We are joined by Sean Callahan of Husker Online. Huge news in Lincoln today. Dylan Riola has committed to Nebraska. Sean, this is the biggest Nebraska recruiting news since? It's hard to, to really 
you know, compare it. I mean, you can go back to like that recruiting class that had Indomic and Sue and Marlon Lucky, and it was a top five class. Uh, that recruiting class produced two eventual Big 12 players of the year, Zach Taylor um, and Indomic and Sue in one year. Um, I mean, they haven't had a guy this highly ranked since that Marlon Lucky Sue class. So um, in terms of ranking and, you know, legacy, I mean, yeah, it, it's got to be right up there with one of the more high profile commits nebraska's ever landed especially when you when you talk about it as the quarterback position well and the other piece of this obviously is is who he is whose son he is and i wonder you know matt rule got this job in basically a year ago how many times has he heard that name over and over and over again between then and now Oh, yeah. I mean, really, for the last three plus years, Dylan Riola has been a household recruit name. Um, I call him a grocery store recruit. Like he's a guy that when you go to the grocery store, people stop and ask you questions about Dylan Riola. And there's very few high school kids that have that kind of star power. Um, but you, you go back to when Matt Rule came, um, you know, the one coach that he retained on his staff was Donovan Riola, the uncle of Dylan Riola. And immediately that allowed Nebraska to stay in it. And then Dylan decommitted from Ohio State. Um, the Huskers were involved with Dylan all the way through May. Then he switched his commitment or he made his commitment to Georgia. Uh, but they continued to keep a dialogue because his uncle's here. And having the uncle in Nebraska on the coaching staff, it allowed Dylan just to, to have an open dialogue with what was going on. And they came back to the Michigan game this year. Nobody really thought much of that, though. Uh, because he was committed to Georgia, and you're like, oh, he's just here to see his uncle. But they continue to keep the ball in play to an extent to get to this point, which um, it's a shocker, I think, in the recruiting world to see a five-star guy like this pick Nebraska right now. So we heard all this bubble up a week ago, that, that this was a possibility. Uh, and then also that coincided with Kyle McCord looking at Nebraska as a graduate transfer and then deciding not to. Does this... Should we assume that Dylan Riola is is going to be Nebraska's starter next year, or that he's he's you know going to come in in spring practice with a chance to win the starting job? Yeah, I think it sets up for him to have a great chance to obviously be the guy and win the job. I mean, in the spring, you have Cheva Purdy, you have Heinrich Harburg, and Daniel Kalen, um, and and all of them bring something to the table. Cheva played well to end the year. He's a guy that's been in college four years. Heinrich Harburg won five games as a starting quarterback. And then Daniel Kalen was an elite 11 guy. So there will be formidable uh, competition. Uh, but yeah, I think Dylan Riola, I, I mean, if you were to put Vegas odds on it, he's the starting quarterback for Nebraska next year, uh, barring injury or something crazy. And um, you saw the news out of Athens, Carson Beck announced, and it was almost fitting that the Riola announcement followed the Carson Beck announcement, almost like that was kind of the thing that brought this thing over the goal line. All right, we know we're going to do this, but the fact that starting at Georgia is not even on the table for 2024, that was kind of the final domino that fell to allow this announcement to go public. Yeah, and I, I do wonder how much of that, you know, what happened last week coincided with Carson Beck kind of being on in that frame of mind because, you know, you heard – that Beck was thinking about the NFL, but then about that same time last week was when it started to be, okay, he's probably coming back. 
Yeah. And I don't know what all went down to get to that point Monday. If they knew Beck was coming back, if there's other elements involved, um, you know, with NIL, um, et cetera, but, um, it got to that point and, you know, it was like a bomb went off in Lincoln on Monday night. I mean, you, you talk to people that were around Kyle McCord Monday night, people that were at the dinner and other things, you would have thought Kyle McCord was going to be a Husker. Um, and th- things pivoted that quickly um, with Dylan Riola at that point. So if you're at rule, you mentioned he's, this is a grocery store recruit. This is a guy that, that everybody in the world wants to know, are you going to get him? Are you going to get him? Are you going to get him? How important of a get is this for Matt rule as he goes into year two, finishes off his first full cycle recruiting class? I mean, it's so important, not for just Matt rule, but the entire, entire state, the entire program. I mean, Trev Alberts is trying to push forward a $450 million stadium renovation project. Um, Nebraska is trying to push forward their NIL and, and fundraising for that. Matt Rule's trying to sell what he's doing. And it's pretty easy to now appeal to offensive recruits when you have a five-star quarterback that you can sell to them, uh, receivers, running backs, etc. cetera. Um, so there's a lot now moving forward. And I mean, having Dylan Riola makes Nebraska more attractive to the Big Ten television partners. I mean, NBC, CBS, Fox, you know, you, you might want to put a Nebraska game on now if, if there's a decision just because of if Dylan Riola is a sensational freshman guy that could, you know, move the needle. Uh, I mean, it's big for so many reasons when you look at it um, at a place for Nebraska. So is there a chance that this leads to either more flips or some uncommitted guys deciding on Nebraska here in the next couple of days? You know, all bets are off. I mean, they had some other players in town, but they weren't offensive players. Um, you know, they had a couple linebackers, um, you know, a, a portal corner. Um, yeah, their numbers are fairly set already for 2024. Um, they're, they're looking at a potential transfer portal running back. Uh, the problem, and I think Nebraska is in the spot that a lot of people are in right now. Uh, Dante Dow, by the way, the Oregon running back, is a guy that they've had some contact with. Um, but the number situation for everybody right now with the COVID and all the other things, it's so hard. You know, I use the analogy, it's a car only has five seats. Well, that's a college football roster, and you're trying to squeeze a sixth person into a car right now when there's not a sixth seat. And that's every college football roster in the country because you have all these older guys. I mean, I looked at that Montana game, uh, the FCS playoffs, and you know, there's a former Nebraska player starting at left tackle for Montana in his seventh season. Um, so I, I think the number situation makes it a little bit more delicate. But NIL helps you. You can get creative um, and, and figure out ways to get some players in your program now um, if you play the, the rule book right with NIL too. That's the thing, Sean, is, is Nebraska's got a pretty robust NIL program, so it feels like this is the sort of thing, if they if they can get winning, that suddenly, not maybe right now, but in years coming, that they become a, an attractive portal destination or an attractive destination for other five-star recruits. Yeah, you, you talk about just the fundraising efforts it will jumpstart because you know the Pede family has been instrumental in in, in getting Nebraska's NIL um, to where it's at right now uh, with the eighteen ninety initiative collective. But it's got to be more than them. I mean, there's got to be a much stronger booster push, and and this is the type of stuff that does that. It raises money for Trev Alberts for the football stadium and and so many things. So yeah, this is there's a major windfall um, for everybody um, with Dylan Ryle. and obviously he's got to produce and, and got to. Um, you know, live up to his end of the bargain. 
Um, but you know, I, I've seen him several times and watched a lot of his tape and his arm is as good as you're going to see. Um, can Nebraska build a team now around him uh, to be competitive? They've got a great schedule for their first seven games next year, uh, which will be nice to build in um, potentially a freshman starting quarterback if he is the guy next year. So there's a lot to be optimistic about as Nebraska tries to claim it's um, the joke here is their offseason national championship. They're the defending <laughs> yeah. offseason national champions, Andy, and they, they, they might carry that belt on again this offseason. Well, yeah, every year, and it's it, look. I understand why. Like I, I, we've we've talked about this before. This is a this is a place that is obsessed with the football team. That it is the biggest game in town. It's the biggest news that you can have, and you've got to fill that off season. And it's usually with stories about the recruiting class, about the incoming portal players, about new coaches, and it like there's not going to be anything particularly negative going on then because. There's no losses to talk about. So, uh, yeah, this is going to be maybe their greatest offseason national championship. Well, yeah, and then the schedule, I mean, they open with some favorable games. They have to play Colorado and Lincoln, which will be a major game, obviously, Deion Sanders coming here. But Sanders versus Riola. I mean, you already can see, like, that that headline between Fox and NBC and CBS. I mean, there'll be people that want that game, obviously. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of optimism and excitement and they return a lot, Andy. I mean, this team um, brings back just about every key player. I mean, they're going to lose a couple, but um, it was one of the smallest senior numbers I've ever seen on the Nebraska team. Um, so, and then they've had very few portal entries too. So there's uh, there's a lot to be optimistic about um, because what was the issue? Quarterback play, and they're adding arguably the number one ranked quarterback in the country to this team for next year. Well, we will find out. I, now, we played a fun game with Zach Barry from OM Spirit. We were deciphering Lane Kiffin tweets over the weekend. They were getting a lot of a lot of portal commitments over the weekend. So his tweets were you you could kind of see which ones matched which. But I want to I want to ask you to decipher this Matt Rule tweet from a few nights ago. This is Matt Rule tweeting: "Can't wait until people hear what I've heard, see what I've seen, and know what I know." Hashtag GBR, which is Go Big Red. No edges. LOL. What what does that mean? I, the joke amongst Nebraska fans is, hey, they got Riola, the bourbon was flowing. They were just having fun. But, yeah, that, w- that was an interesting um, tweet by Matt Rule because um, he had been Twitter dark for, you know, most of the football season, if not all the football season. That was, you know, kind of the first barrage of tweets we've seen Matt Rule make since the summertime. Um, but clearly added about where they're at um, with with things and, and this recruiting class and, and how they've put it together to – you know, may, maybe push into the top 20 for sure, top 25 class. Well, it'll be very interesting. We, we're hoping to have Matt Rule on the Wednesday signing day show. So I will ask him when he comes on exactly what that meant because I try, it wasn't lyrics of anything. I thought it might be some song lyrics, but like some maybe deep down Dave Matthews band lyrics, but that's not what it was. So we, we will see if we can get Matt Rule to, uh, to reveal. Yeah, he and he will. You know, Coach Rule. He's open and mm-hmm. honest, and he's not gonna. I mean, his million dollar to two million dollar quarterback comment. I mean, that went viral. I mean, he, that got him an appearance yeah. on the Pat McAfee show. <laughs> exactly. How many? I mean, and, how many five and seven head football coaches get long interviews on the Pat McAfee show? Yeah, Nick, Nick Saban gets one every week, but he he has a considerably better record. So you're, you're exactly right. But you're you're right about that too. And that's probably another question worth asking him because he was the one who so you know, kindly 
provided us with those numbers to help set the market. I imagine a five-star quarterback who is uh, considered one of the best in his class is uh, not necessarily the cheapest thing in the world either. So, No, quarterback, it's at the Power 5 level in the SEC and the Big Ten and the top ACC programs. I mean, it's a million-dollar position for the top programs, if not more. Um, when you when you look at what this has come and become with NIL, well, it's it's going to be very interesting. And uh, yeah, the bourbon probably flowing in Lincoln as we speak. I know the TV station is headed to your house. Like this is, we break into our regular programming kind of news in Lincoln. So ha- have fun with this one tonight, Sean. Hey, thanks, Andy. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll be in touch. Thank you. So Sean mentioned what Matt Rule said a few weeks ago about what it costs to get a good quarterback out of the transfer portal. Uh, Andrew had a a comment in the chat earlier about that. After Matt Rule cried about how much QBs costed, he did exactly what everyone else did and paid the cost of admission. I have a feeling he probably won't apologize for whining earlier. And fifth quarter tailgate, very quickly, Andrew Rule wasn't complaining. He was setting expectations. That's right. I I, I think that's exactly what was going on. That was a, a... Bat signal to the folks who donate to NIL to say, hey, if you would like us to get a quarterback, either a big one out of the portal or a big one out of the freshman class, it costs something. There, There is a cost associated. So that is the next frontier. And I don't know if it's going to be like this forever. I don't think this NIL system will be the system that that rules the day. For much longer, I think eventually it's going to be collective bargaining, salary cap, all that stuff. But the best players are still going to cost the most money. The the premium positions, quarterbacks, edge rushers, offensive tackles, still going to cost money right now. So this is big, big news in Nebraska. But it's not. It's definitely not the only thing going on. Uh, other transfer portal news. Now, we knew that K.J. Jefferson was going into the portal because he told us he was, but the former Arkansas quarterback officially entered the transfer portal on Monday, so not entirely sure where he's going to wind up. Uh, some of the the places that that we've heard, Pete Nakos, our transfer portal guru, uh, said basically looking at Tulane, Houston, Cal, Baylor, Texas Tech, Mississippi State, all of those are schools that might make sense for KJ Jefferson. And it's really a matter of, of, in his case, that's a guy who he's coming to start. He's got one year left. He's been a starter at a high level. You're taking him to start. And we'll see where he winds up, but KJ Jefferson officially in the transfer portal. Next up, a guy who never went in the transfer portal, Cole Kublik, Auburn through and through, played for the Tigers all his years. But he is now one of the best sideline reporters in the business. I love games that Cole works because he takes you into the trenches, explains exactly what's going on, and helps show you why teams with the best big people win the most games. But he also has his own podcast, has his own radio show, and just one of the best people to talk to about college football. So Cole and I talked all about the transfer portal, big people, how you build rosters in 2024. Here's Cole Kubelik. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We're joined by the great Cole Kubelik. You can hear him on the Cube Show, his own podcast on Cube and Mac in the morning on Jocks in Birmingham. You can watch him on ESPN. Cole, your you're Birmingham Bowl is your next assignment, oh, yeah. correct? Look at those graphics, by the way. Man, we don't mess around. We don't big play. Big time here. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and then I like that you said Cuban Mac. That's good. Uh, usually, quarterback's name goes first, so it's, it's, I'm just used no. to it. No, but listen, the center touches the ball first, and then he snaps it to the quarterback. That, there you go. It all starts with the center. Well, and, and the thing is, and this is why I love talking to you because you understand where I'm coming from most of the time, and I understand where you're coming from most of the time. And I, I, I want to talk to you like when I texted you. It was after a conversation I had with somebody at my son's lacrosse practice, and we were talking about uh, Florida's recruiting class. And they were saying, well, look at how, look at all these guys they've got coming in. They've got DJ Legway and LJ McCray, and these, these freshmen are going to be great. And I'm like, yes, but who's going to block now? <laughs> um, I got in trouble on – you'd love this. I got in trouble on Aaron Murray's podcast because we were talking about Alabama Michigan. And I said, all I said was, I'm not sure if I like the Michigan tight end group this year as much as last year. Now, not saying that collectively they're not as good or more talented. It's just last year, those guys were some dogs last year and helped them win the Joe Moore Award and helped them run the ball the way they did. Now, I think they're more athletic and more balanced this year, but I mean, it was the, the comments was all Michigan fan. You obviously ain't watched Michigan this year because our tight ends are 10 times better. I was like, well, yeah, because they, they have a few more catches, sure. I see what you're yeah. saying. Like, I, but I wasn't watching the routes when I watched them. So, <laughs> yeah, like, Colton Loveland and AJ, AJ Barner are dangerous weapons yeah, in the pass game. Of course. But, of course. but it is like the, the half of the tight end's job is to block. So that, that's Especially what we're talking in that about. that offense. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Although I do like that. Uh, I do like them up front on both sides of the ball at Michigan. Oh, for sure. I wonder if that's why that game's going to be so much fun. Um, I wonder where we are in because you brought up recruiting class. So yeah, fresh, yeah. freshman class, portal class, whatever it is. And I'm just going to go ahead and preface. I'm probably going to get a kid wrong, going to the wrong school or not committed, is committed, still go there, not still there, in portal, out of portal. Because, listen, I've got literally, I could pull my backpack out. I've got pages of notes, and I don't know where everybody is. <laughs> I can't keep up with it. But I wonder, Andy, are we getting past, like, the continuity part of this, the chemistry part? How much? How mercenary are we ready to go or are a lot of guys ready to go and just say, give me my talent. We'll figure the rest of it out. I don't care. Scheme guy, bad apple, good guy, lazy, no motor, best motor fights. Every play, just give me my talent and by God, we'll figure it out somehow, some way, like how far down the mercenary path are some of these coaches going to go with how much movement we have. Well, I think it's interesting because I think you, let's look at the four teams in the playoff right now. And and I'm again, we're talking up front because I care if you can block and I care if your four can beat their five. Like those are the two biggest, you know, indicators of winning to me. 
I don't think you can have good play up front without good recruiting out of high school. And if you look at Alabama, at Michigan, at Washington, and at Texas, it's all homegrown guys for the most part. Michigan yep. will will spot like it was Olu Olatini last year. It's Ladarius Henderson this year. Good. But for the most part, they're guys they recruited out of high school. And you go to Alabama, they take a tackle from Vanderbilt two years ago, and he Steen, helps yep. him out. He's one of their best players. Uh, they've been very selective with how they've done it. And it's interesting to see some of the guys defensively that Alabama's up with. Because actually, you were bringing that up. I was just kind of trying to run it through my brain. I know Bama's had a couple of Juco guys, like Jaron Reed, I think, and some of those guys. Mm -hmm. But like, have they taken a just straight transfer D lineman that's been really good for them? I'm, I don't I think really so. Think and, and, like, and, and like Jaheim Otis, Tim Smith, those are all guys that they got out of high school. Go the boy, he's been there forever. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so uh, it, I'm with you. And you look at that Texas defensive line. They're not just saying, oh, let's go get most talented guy in Portal and plug him in. It's it's guys, and especially now with what they have for their D-line coach, you probably want them around a couple of years because you're going to need to be calloused up to be able to <laughs> deal with hard coaching, but you're going to yeah. be a really good player at the same time. So it's a great point. It, it feels like it needs to be the most, I guess, patchwork position out of the portal. And when I say that, what I mean is, you know you're deficient in one small part. Go get a guy, but you also are going to be a little more careful with maybe character or fit or what he was asked to do, athleticism, physicality, whatever that is, and bring him in. Because let's look at the Auburn offensive line last year. I mean, they upgraded at talent at probably at, at least four spots. And then Xavion Miller, the Juco tackle, kind of came on a little bit later. He wasn't a, a full-year starter like Dylan Wade was on the left side. They were better, but they weren't great by any stretch of the imagination. And not that Hugh needs a group that's just going to you know, be 95 Nebraska or anything, but – they took a few steps, but you wonder if they had another year or two together, what could they actually turn into? So mm -hmm. it's interesting to see, you know, like you mentioned Birmingham Bowl, and people are like, man, how's how's Troy so good? Why why is Troy so good? Well, their quarterback's <laughs> been there six years. Yep. Their running back's been there four, and most of their offensive linemen have played a few years together. That's where we'll start, and I don't feel like <laughs> we need to go a whole lot further than that. I, I embedded with Troy for the 2018 Nebraska game. It's one of those situations where I, I called the SID in spring practice that year. I said, listen, you guys are going to beat Nebraska in September. I want to embed with you guys. So this is Neil Brown's coaching that team. Yep. Gunnar Watson was a true freshman on that team. <laughs> <laughs> it's. I was telling somebody the other day, they were asking about the portal, and I said, I remember ESPN sent me to Orlando to cover the Under Armour All-American game, and Bo Nix was in that game with, like, Owen Papo and Trey Smith and Darian Dalcourt. And I said, I had one kid, and she wasn't in school yet. Now I have three kids, and two of them are in school. <laughs> Bo Nix is still playing college football. So either I've been really busy or he's been playing college football forever. Maybe a little bit of both. But both. it's yeah. it's wild, man, how how long some of these guys are around. And we're see, we're starting to see that with – some of the names that you have seen pop up on your Twitter feed, and you're like, oh, yeah, he's going to the NFL. And you're like, wait a minute, Portal? That says Portal? Like, Grayson McCall has a year? What? Yeah, that, oh, that one blew KJ, my mind. Like, like I, I had I, Trey Biddy on the show a couple of months ago, and he goes, well, you know, KJ Jefferson's got a decision to make. And I was like, on what? Which agent he's going to choose? What are you talking about? <laughs> he's like, well, he's got another year. I was like, I'm sorry, huh? Another year? So, but, then, I, but, but I don't even try to figure out who has another year. It's anymore. cutting off so quickly, though, because like Kyle McCord does not. He has one more year. Yep. 
Like, I feel like we just got to know Kyle McCord, but he's he's got this year at Syracuse and he's done. That is a weird one, for sure. Now the, the 2020s are, are finally cycling out. Like, anybody who was in college in 2020, they they are probably playing next year and then they're done. And so it's back to back to more normal because that was the McCord thing. I, I remember when he entered the portal, I was like, oh, he's definitely got like two years, three years to play. And like, no, Easy. he's got one. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, some of these, and that's because we were had the conversation, McElroy and I did on our show, I think it was last week, of when is this going to completely cycle out? And when you look at the potential extra years, I think we came up on like 26 is when we kind of yeah. have to be done with it. But we'll probably get a, a you know waiver or two and guy in the seventh or eighth year and still going somewhere. So I don't I don't well, even know. Well, there might be another court federal court decision. You just stay in college forever. Like just keep, imagine you and I are Tim going Tebow. Back. Yeah, if Tip if Tebow had been allowed to play in college forever, he'd still be there. So he, he's in good enough shape to. There's no I, I mean, know people would still struggle to tackle him. There's no doubt about that. No, no question. No question. But so it's interesting this discussion because Ole Miss is the the talk of the transfer portal world right now because if Walter Nolan commits, and by the time this runs tonight, he may have already committed. We're, we're expecting him to. But they got Prince Liam Mielen from Florida. They got uh, Tyler Barron from Tennessee. That's a pretty big overhaul in the trenches through the yes. portal. And we don't see that very often. No, and they started this last year. I'm wondering when it's going to go to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, but Quincy McGee was actually pretty good for them from UAB last year at guard, uh, one of their most consistent yeah. offensive linemen. But they kind of reshaped it last year. Mm -hmm. I mean, you go get you get a big D tackle from Nebraska that was a little bit different than what they would had, and then you go get Harris from NC State, who when he turned it on had the girth and some of the twitch that they just JJ Pegues had it all, but he just wasn't a defensive lineman yet. He was just, they were like kind of, oh. Hey man, just get by people. And he would figure it out. Converted quarterback a, slash tight right. end slash. And he's become a much better, much better defensive lineman this year. Yeah. But now like Princely has more twitch than anybody they have off the edge and maybe have, who was the kid that it was like freezes last year. Mm. He was like 210 pounds and he, he blew up Jalen hurts on one play. He rushed off the edge and he oh, looks like yeah. a damn corner. I forget the kid's name. Uh, Hugh, something Hughes, maybe something. I can't. He was he was lightning off the edge, but he was literally like two hundred and ten pounds. And they haven't had anybody with that kind of twitch in a long time. And then you throw in a Tyler Barron, who he came down inside for Tennessee in a lot of their jet packages this year. He's got good versatility. He's got a great frame to rush off the edge. These are different guys than Ole Miss has had for a long time. Like, yeah, they got Isaac Uquo, and he did some good things for him this year. I don't think he was what sort of the, the portal people made him out to be, but he was a good football player. He helped. But And I said going into last year, Andy, this team will be 20 to 30% better against the run based on structure alone. With Pete Golding, like, yeah. Pete will have them lined up to stop the run better than what they've done in the last five to six years. They took that step. Now they need to get a little bit bigger and faster at linebacker. They need a little, be a little more capable at safety, versatility, be able to do some different things. That Jack position was one that he didn't really have, that he wants, and he's still kind of looking for. But they're getting close, man, to being able to – you get a DB from Tennessee that has, has played in 41 games, not a game mm -hmm. changer, but that kind of wherewithal, you got to have numbers in the secondary anyway. Like, look at Alabama in the championship game. All of a sudden, here comes Trey Amos and Jalen Key, 
after Kool-Aid McKinstry gets knocked out of the game, and they have to make some plays, and they did. They both made big plays down the stretch. You just got to have numbers on the back end. So I think it's valuable to be able to go get somebody in safety. that can, He played nickel at Tennessee. He can play safety probably. So they are revamping that defense, specifically at the line of scrimmage. And this year, I said last year, they're more different than they've been in probably maybe since they had Kim Dietschy. And mm-hmm. they'll be even more different this year because they'll have that girth inside and they'll have a couple of guys that are just a legit edge uh, edge presence. Well, if they get Nolan, he actually – he a, a lot of Kim Dietschy comps with Nolan. Uh, he, he's probably a little quicker than Robert was inside, but it, it, there, there's a Until there's similarities he takes there. uh, Deontay Brown and recocks and dumps him on his back individually, I will avoid that comp at all costs because <laughs> that true. still is one of the most impressive football feats I've ever seen in my life, what he did to him that day. But nonetheless, he, uh, Walter Nolan can do all of it, man. Like he's, well, he's I, big time. I wonder if Lane has kind of figured something out in this era of college football because we, we talk about the teams in the playoff, Alabama, Texas, Michigan – those are teams that already were good up front before the system changed. And so they could keep it going because they already had good people up front. And you could just sort of, you know, you, you keep that rolling and you're producing first rounders, which helps. But now it's much harder because it's hard to get those guys in the first place. And when you have one who's good, they can hold you hostage or just go oh, yeah. somewhere else for more money. Lane is taking these guys who can't hold him hostage, well, pending the federal court ruling, but if they do have to sit out a year, if they transfer again, he doesn't have to worry about that. Right. It's interesting uh, because we have heard about a lot of guys in the SEC, at least I have, in the last two years, that took that strategy in the middle of the season Mm -hmm. and essentially said, going to need a bigger bag or – not going to play today. And some have come down to the wire a couple of times. And right. so uh, it's it's interesting to think about, is it being thought about that way? Because I haven't heard it openly discussed amongst coaches when I've had conversations with them, but everything's on the table because yeah. let's be real. The players have done an amazing job since the portal was introduced. And that was with graduate transfers initially. And then being able, half of them got Thomas Mars involved. And then that was kind of their, their right. way to backdoor the thing. And then we changed the rules. And now with NIL, the players are going to find a way to snake the rules. They just are. They're going to figure yeah. out how to game the system. And that's okay. It's fine. If it's, if, it's, if it's inbounds, go for it. But they're going to figure out the ways. And this four-game redshirt rule, we thought that was great. Oh, let's let the guys play. <laughs> what we didn't know was going to happen was after – part-time players, you know, you know, guys who were rotational players after four games, they were going to come in and say, Hey coach, would love to help you on scout team. Uh, not going back in the game this year. Thanks for having me. And some coaches like Lincoln Riley have said, you know what? We put him on scout team. He helped our guys get better. Great. Other coaches have said kick rocks. Other yeah. coaches have said you can use our facility when the team's not here, use the academic center, whatever you need. Don't come around my players. You don't have a locker anymore, but you can work out on your own. Good luck to you. I'll help you however I can. So all the different strategies come into play. So you bring that up just tells me there's probably another strategy that's out there that we hadn't thought about or haven't heard discussed that they're trying to implement. Well, that's the thing. Everything is trial and error right now. 
right. anybody who thinks they know what they're doing is lying. They're, everybody's just trying stuff. And like we, we, I brought up Florida at, at first. Billy Napier came in with an idea that he was going to build that program the way that programs were built five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And through no fault of his own, everything changed on him. And I don't know that that's going to work now. It's a great point. And part of these strategies, even if they are working, are you going to have time to make them work the way that you need it to? And that's what we also don't know is that because I, I think moving forward, we've had a lot of conversations about the SEC and some of the other conferences that are getting away from divisions. Is it going to be harder to win the league now? How hard? It's going to be impossible for some of these mid-tier teams to win the league. Okay, maybe. But are we going to reevaluate that actually making the playoff is not only more important, but actually more realistic than winning your conference? Yeah. And if Missouri or Ole Miss or Mississippi State, get a, if they get a playoff bid, Florida gets a playoff bid, you're good. You're fine. Yeah. You take that back and say, hey, man, we made the playoffs. We're good. We had a chance to play for a national title. All right, cool. We're also going to have to reevaluate two lost teams, three lost teams, mm -hmm. maybe some four lost teams. Like I think great examples this year are LSU, Arizona, teams like that that nobody would sit back and say, yeah, but they beat them. Yeah, but they had to play them. Like Nobody's saying – Oh man, they had to go through Arizona. They had to get through Arizona. That's a damn good football team with yeah. really good players, by the way. Like and NFL you, and you receiver, don't them NFL now. left tackle, exactly. yeah, yeah, uh, NFL running back. Like this, they're really good. So I think all of this is going to have to be reevaluated as to how we approach it, how we manage it, how we deal with it. And you said it perfectly. It's all trial and error, which means some of them are going to fail. And yeah. guys aren't going to have time to figure it out because the trial that they decided to go with didn't work out. Well, and we saw the new SEC schedule for 24 last week. We, we'd already seen the 24 Big Ten schedule. I went through all of those again this week. Oh, my God. One, for the viewer, it's so much better. It's great. But the idea that some teams got to be undefeated to be considered good, we got to let that go. Got to get out Because there just aren't going to be undefeated teams in those leagues. Well, you're one that surprised me because I think you may have been the first one that responded to my tweet. And I said, I said, who's looking at these schedules saying, yeah, they definitely should have gone to nine conference games. Now, want to? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, wish they would, of course. Um, best for business? Oh. Probably. Maybe not. You could argue that both ways. Yeah. But there wasn't a part of me that actually saw that that said, we need to add more bulk to what we're doing here. <laughs> I, I just I don't think you should have Texas and Texas and in the same league and not and not play them every year. I think that's bad business. But I do understand that my side of that argument is going to get much more difficult as people internalize these schedules because we got little cubes joining oh, yeah. the show. Very nice. Yeah. Six year old thinks he's being cute right now. So nothing he's wrong with that. Listen. My mine mine now want to be on it the, because they're like 14 and 12. They're like, we got bits for you. We well, the three we come the, up with the, we scripted the three year old you. figures it out. He will come sit on my lap and I'll put a show on for him and he'll be fine. But that's trust me, he doesn't know I'm here like, yet, or else he'd already be in here. Be like watching a Rick Stansbury press conference when he was uh Mississippi State's <laughs> basketball coach. But but no, I mean it it is it is oh there we go. There we go. We got the iPad. This is this is parenting one on one. I've got it all figured out. I, and I, if he I knows I'm in here, he's doing it. He's coming in. I, you can't stop I, him. So, Cube, I want to ask you this. I know we're we're diverting here, but this is important stuff. We got lots of listeners who are entering parenthood, or maybe they just got married. They're about to start a family. Uh, 
were you a, a we're never going to put screens in front of our kids oh. person before you had kids? Everybody is. Everybody <laughs> likes to talk that talk and say, my kids will never have technology. My kids will never do that. My, we go to dinner as a family every Thursday night, and it's almost mm -hmm. become iPad night. It's because my wife and I just want to have a conversation at dinner. So, yep. you know, we just we go out there and, you know, that's the night that they know they're going to get to watch their iPads and get a little extra screen time. And the only way to keep this one quiet when he comes in here is to do what I've just done. What, what are we watching? On what are we watching? I found this guy. Um, I think it's Greg's garage. Is it Greg's garage or Jason's garage? Something. He does these like digital monster truck videos. Oh, I mean, awesome. you can't really kind of see it. So he I basically oh, makes yeah, yeah. the tracks and it's like digital nice. monster truck videos, but he's got them like jumping these ski jumps and like Olympic ramps and stuff like, and then they have these giant hammers that hit them. He thinks it's the coolest thing ever. So, so turn that on. I will tell you, go. we did the same thing with our kids. Like we, we, we were thinking, Oh, no screens. Then we were like, Oh God, our sanity have some screens. <laughs> and <laughs> I will tell you right now. So since football season and we've been doing Friday night family dinners, we'll go out to the, the neighborhood pizza place and they don't touch their phones. They talk to us the whole time. Like it's so you, you, you can do it. Like you can raise yep. a functional human being who can talk to other people. I promise. Even when they you use can. the screens. So, yep. but uh, we're going to let them have it right now. So that's, that's beautiful. I, I appreciate it. Cole, Cole, it has been a pleasure and this is fun i appreciate when i'm talking to someone else who goes from the inside out when they watch this game because it's only i way. feel like we're, we're it's the only way that works <laughs> so it's, who was uh somebody was talking the other day about uh they were asking you know receivers and this and that and it was a lot of those aq shipley someone on twitter he's like man i don't even see that i don't even know what you're talking like i don't my eyes don't go there so, but I <laughs> so will fun. say, working with Jordan Rogers every weekend yeah. and working with McElroy every morning, I have probably become, and I'm still way deficient. I'm still way behind on coverages and yeah. strategy. And I'll tell you who's been a massive help for me is Roman Harper every Monday because oh yeah, he will show me things and tell me things. I'm like, I thought you motioned that guy to get this. And he's like, no, he's like, you motion this guy so you can't press. And then he's going to have a free release and have space to be able to go here. I'm like, wow, it's uh, it's a they didn't teach us that stuff in the old line room. Like, no, I don't, I don't. no. I, I you and Greg were talking this morning about something, and, and Greg mentioned you know man coverage, DB turning this way, and, and he said Jacksonville you know, State play the fourth down because yeah, I asked your young DB safety, do it this way. Yeah. yeah, if the safety doesn't blitz, can he even attempt that throw? Because I saw the safety come down, and then he, but it felt like he threw it before he knew he was blitzing, and he got all mad at the DB because he gave up inside leverage. He's like, you can't give up an inside release right there. It's blasphemy. <laughs> DB can't do that. I was like, yeah, I would have never thought that, but cool. I mean, I guess that's right. I'll take your word for it. I don't know. And and that's why it's the ultimate team game. <laughs> yes, 100%. Thank you, thank you so much. That's Cole Kubelik. And yes, sometimes you get a little caught up looking in the trenches. Don't know as much about the secondary. Sometimes you get caught up looking too much in the secondary. Don't know much about the trenches, but that's what makes it beautiful because – there's an expert in all of them, and Cole is definitely an expert on the big guys. So no offense, only defense has been hanging out in the chat a lot of the night. Uh, signed off, said, got to go, guys. I wish you all good luck. 
college football, the greatest reality show out there, baby. And I was thinking of this as watching the news unfold as we were talking to Cole. So we've got Jordan Lyle, the number two running back in the class of 2024, according to, to on three's rankings. He has flipped from Ohio State to Miami. He plans to sign with Miami on Wednesday. So that happened. Also, Malachi Nelson, USC quarterback, officially in the transfer portal. You know, he announced that he was going in a few days ago, or I guess it was last night. It was last night, right? Right after our show ended, he announced it. Now he's in the portal. Also in the portal, Damani uh, Jackson, the corner from USC, and Tackett Curtis, the linebacker from USC. So a lot going on in the old transfer portal. The, the Malachi Nelson, we're going to talk to Pete Nakos about that on Tuesday about that particular move, because I, I think there's a lot of people who see that and they're like, what is going on at USC? And I don't think the Malachi Nelson one is necessarily a symptom of there's something horrible going on. What's going on with Lincoln Riley's program. I think that's Lincoln Riley making a choice. And that was one, as you heard, as the season was going on, they didn't necessarily think Malachi Nelson was going to be their starter in 2024. The fact that Lincoln Riley went almost immediately to start looking at portal quarterbacks and that Will Howard, the, the Kansas State transfer, is potentially headed to USC should tell you all you need to know. Yes, Malachi Nelson was the number one recruit in the class of 2023, but it doesn't always mean you wind up being what you're as you know advertised as once you get on campus. We, we saw Caleb Williams immediately jump into that role when he was a freshman for Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma, but that just wasn't the case this year at USC for Malachi Nelson. So now he's looking elsewhere. We'll see about those defensive guys. The, the Damani Jackson one, I believe he's already picked up an offer from Michigan. And uh, that one, it was like Dante Williams moving from USC as a DB's coach to replace Fran Brown at Georgia. That, that might have a little bit to do with that one. So we'll see what happens with those guys. But, yeah, USC be a lot of turnover. It looks like. Speaking of turning over, we're gonna we're gonna be having a coin turnover a little bit because that is our guest picker this week. We're going with the coin as we pick these bowl games. Now we're gonna do seven tonight and six tomorrow because here's how it works. We like to get the picks out about a you know four or five days in advance usually because we want to give them time to breathe and, and give people a chance to, to look at them and, and do their own research. And we don't have a show on Sunday night or Monday night. So we don't have a show Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. And so we're trying to get all of our, our picks in for the games through the 26th, because we'll be back on the 26th, but we'll be back at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So some of those games will already be over. So we're going to do that. But I want to tell you right now, this is this is my public service announcement for bowl season. And I realized I, I talked about the Jacksonville state game last night, but if you didn't watch the famous toastery bowl on Monday, you're missing out old dominion, Western Kentucky. This is essentially the Bahamas bowl. Remember the, the stadium is being renovated in the Bahamas. So they had to move it to Charlotte to the stadium where, where Charlotte plays, not the Panthers where, where Char the Charlotte 49ers, Bipogi's team plays. And what unfolded Monday was a glorious exhibition of football. Old Dominion goes up 28 to nothing. Western Kentucky comes back 
ties it at 35 with 19 seconds left. They go to overtime. Old Dominion gets the ball down to the one-yard line. Second and goal, really from the one-foot line. They can't get it in. They try the brotherly shove on third and inches. They can't get it in. They, they, they had a player jump. They decide to kick a field goal. Western Kentucky blocks it. And then Western Kentucky walks it off with a field goal. Their third-string quarterback had put up an unbelievable stat line. It was it was just a tremendous game. And it was one of those that this is this is why we watch. And what did our commenter, no offense, only defense say? Greatest reality show out there, baby. It was tremendous. Now, we got bowl games. So starting Tuesday night with the Frisco Bowl. And we're going to go through games until the the Saturday afternoon window. And then we'll pick up with the Saturday night window right after that. All right, here we go. The Frisco Bowl. Tuesday night. UTSA versus Marshall. UTSA is an 11.5 point favorite in this game. Now, we're going to go quick on these because, again, they're very hard to predict. We don't know who's motivated and who's not. The guest picker is a coin because I, I think the coin's probably going to have more success in these games, even though we've done our research here. So this is a crazy one because we didn't go over this on the show because there was so much more news happening at the time. But when Cam Fancher, the, the Marshall quarterback, into the transfer portal, Charles Huff, the coach, said the kid was miserable and fans hate him. Now, Huff has come back and apologized for those statements and said, hey, I was projecting and I didn't mean to, to paint with a broad brush. But basically, he wasn't lying that there was a vocal portion of the very vocal minority in the fan base that was very critical of Cam Fancher. There's not a ton of NIL money at Marshall, and so he went to the portal. And so Cole Pennington, son of Chad Pennington, would be the starter for Marshall in this game. Uh, UTSA, Trey Moore is not playing. The edge rusher, who is the, the AAC Defensive Player of the Year, he is going to transfer somewhere big. Frank Harris, though, is playing his final game at UTSA. They are an 11 point, 11 and a half point favorite. It's a lot of points. But given the situation with the portal at Marshall, I'm going to go with UTSA here. I'm going to pick them to cover. The coin heads UTSA, tails Marshall. It is a tail. Producer River, write this down. The coin has chosen Marshall and gets 11 and a half points. Next up, the Boca Raton Bowl, USF and Syracuse. This is a tighter spread. Don't know what's going to happen, but you got a team in flux with a fired coach in Syracuse. They're actually two and a half point favorite against Alex Golish's first USF team, which he led to a bowl game in his first season. Now, Syracuse, Garrett Schrader is out after shoulder surgery. Braden Davis, the freshman listed first on the depth chart. Uh, Dan Villari, the converted tight end. They were using him in some Wildcat situations. So this could be pretty interesting. Meanwhile, at USF, Byron Brown is coming back. He was a redshirt freshman this year. Was a really good quarterback for Alex Golish in year one. I am going to take the Bulls in this game. I, I think Golish has done a really good job. I'm excited to see what he does with that program from here. So I'm going with the Bulls and getting two and a half points. Let's see what the coin says. Heads USF, tail Syracuse. We flip it. It is a tail Syracuse. The coin disagrees again. 
Me and the coin are going out and getting after it now. Let's go to the Gasparilla Bowl. We're staying in the state of Florida. Georgia Tech versus UCF. This is a four and a half point spread. The rare bowl game where the two star quarterbacks, this is a non playoff game where the two star quarterbacks are both playing. Haynes King versus John Rice Plumley. I am very excited for this game. I have really enjoyed the Haynes King renaissance this year at Georgia Tech. I, I have I have truly enjoyed that. You know, he talked about fixing his mechanics after leaving Texas AM, but he's done so much with his feet. And he's he's just it's been really great to watch him grow in Brent Key's first full season as the head coach there. UCF, we, we've seen them be. And we saw them blow a lead against Baylor. We saw them destroy Oklahoma State, push Oklahoma. You don't really know what team you're going to get from week to week. Uh, both these teams have lost players to the portal. I don't really know where to go with this, so I think I'm going to take the points here. So I will take Georgia Tech and the four and a half points. Heads Georgia Tech, tails UCF. What does the coin say? It is a head. The coin agrees with me. The head, the 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 coin will also take Georgia Tech. I am fascinated to see how me and the coin do on these. Next up, oh boy, Tennessee fans, hold on to your butts. Arkansas State versus Northern Illinois in the Camellia Bowl. Northern Illinois is a two-and-a-half-point dog to the Red Wolves. I know what you're thinking because you probably only watched one Arkansas State game this year, and it was probably the season opener against Oklahoma. That was the one where they lost 73 to nothing. Well, I tell you what, Butch Jones' team, brick by brick, with their five-star hearts and their – well, they, they didn't win a championship of life. They didn't win a Sunbelt championship either. But they did beat Texas State 77-31 to in the in the season's penultimate weekend. So I, I'm not counting out the old Red Wolves. I'm not counting out Butch Jones. He had a heck of a run at the end of the season. Northern Illinois basically changed up their offense midseason. That's how they went 5-2 and two down the stretch to get into a bowl game. I'm still going with Arkansas State. But what will the coin say? Arkansas State heads. Northern Illinois tails. We are flipping. It is a head. Butch Jones has me and the coin on his side. Now we go to the game that Cole Kublik will be on the call for. The Birmingham Bowl, Saturday at noon Eastern time. Troy versus Duke. Now, what you're thinking, Duke is a seven and a half point underdog to Troy. Now, remember, both of these teams lost their coach. John Summerall from Troy, he's off to Tulane. Mike Elko from Duke, obviously off to Texas A&M. But Duke lost Riley Leonard. That, that's, the, that's the big one. Now, Riley Leonard wasn't there all season either. He was injured at times. But the difference between Duke with Riley Leonard, Duke without Riley Leonard was pretty stark. And Troy's pretty good on both lines of scrimmage. So I'm going to go with the Trojans in this game. What is the coin going to do? Heads is Troy. Tails is Duke. It is a tail. The coin selects Duke. All right. We move on to the Armed Forces Bowl Saturday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. James Madison in a bowl game. Remember all of the hubbub about whether they would be allowed to play. There were not enough bowl-eligible teams, so James Madison, even though they are transitioning to FBS, allowed to play in a bowl game this year. 
just like Jacksonville State was in the bowl game they played in Saturday night. So it is James Madison against Air Force. Air Force obviously started the season very well, kind of fell off as the season went on. James Madison lost their coach. Kirk Signetti is at Indiana already, but I think, think the Dukes are ready to prove a point in this game. I am going to go with James Madison, but what will the coin say? James Madison is heads, Air Force is tails. It is a tail. The coin selects Air Force. Me and the coin are on opposite sides quite a bit here. All right. One more. We're going to do six of these tomorrow night, too. The famous Idaho Potato Bowl on the blue at Boise State. Georgia State against Utah State. The Aggies are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Now, quarterbacks Cooper Lagasse and McKay Hill said both hurt for Utah State. Levi Williams got his first start in their season finale. Will he start again? Blake Anderson has been noncommittal about who's going to start. Georgia State, meanwhile, missing a dozen players from the two deep from its final game because of injuries, transfer portal, you name it. I am going with Utah State here in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. But what will the coin say? Georgia State is heads. Utah State is tails. Utah State is a three and a half point favorite. It is Utah State. So we will see how I do against the coin. Tomorrow, we got big games coming. South Alabama, Eastern Michigan, Northwestern and Utah. The hits keep coming. Listen, if any of these are as fun as the famous Toastery Bowl, guys, it's going to be a treat. If we can get even one more game like that one, if we get a playoff game like that one, ratings are going to be through the roof. I cannot wait. The coin will be back tomorrow night. I will do my research. I still don't know if I'm going to beat the coin. I'm going to be honest with you. But... Pete Nakos with some Nakosifications joining us tomorrow. We will talk deep into the transfer portal because there's going to be more news. There's going to be a lot more to chew on by tomorrow. Also, Marty Smith from ESPN joins us. He has a book out that you need to be putting in a loved one's stocking this Christmas, but also just some great stories from the road this year. Marty's seen it all, and he is getting ready for a big-time playoff. So we got all that for you tomorrow. Always fun. Be more news guaranteed. Talk to you then. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. 
Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.